It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Thank you for listening to Fire Away Friday. Alex and Bert here and uh, we're going to answer questions that have been sent in to us at word at AFR.net, or uh, they've asked us personally things that people have asked. But, Alex, I'm reminded of a story, and I've told it one time, but sometimes they're so good they're worth repeating. When I was in seminary and we had a, a professor and he was, uh, you know, sharing, and then he asked, is there any questions? And one uh, guy held up his hand and he asked the question, and the professor said, you know, some questions deserve an answer. Some questions deserve to be admired. I sure admire your question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That we will not, you know, we try to answer as many questions as we can. But the Bible also shares balance to that. Avoid some of those foolish questions, you know. And uh, But praise the Lord for our listeners, just about all the time, they're great questions, and we enjoy answering them because those answers, everything we do, we want it to point to Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And so uh, we pray that our answers will reflect that, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he, he really can make a difference in your life if he has not already. Amen. Well, this is Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex, and uh, we're doing a show today where we're going to answer Bible questions. And uh, I will say this is a pre-record because you and I are traveling, and so can't call in today, but you can listen to the questions and answers. And, you know, uh, we've got a book of 100 questions and answers, and uh, it's coming out just any day now. And uh, we love to get your questions, and we do our very best to give a biblical answer. And I've got one today, Bert, that to my recollection, I don't think we've had before. And, you know, I, I love music, and I play the guitar, and every now and then I'll be on the road, and I'll get asked to play along with a praise band in a church, and sometimes I do, and that's really an honor. Somebody writes in, Bert, and they said, would you comment on the types of musical instruments mentioned in the Bible. Oh, wow. And and I thought that was interesting because I don't recall ever having that question put to us before. But do you know the Bible does mention musical instruments in places like Psalm 33 and Psalm 92 and Psalm 144, even in Isaiah? And very famously, um, Psalm 33, verse 2 says, Praise the Lord with a harp, sing unto him with the psaltery and with an instrument of 10 strings and Psalm 92 mentions that and harps and uh, definitely the Bible mentions singing a lot. Psalm 144 mentions an instrument of 10 strings and so I've, I thought it'd be interesting to comment a little bit about it yeah. and before we get into the specific types of instruments let me just say this Bert um, one writer I was reading said that only Christianity is a singing faith, really, because only Christianity really has that much to sing about. Yeah. Well, let me read one of those psalms. It's Psalm 150. 
Uh, it's climactic. Now, uh, you you read all the Psalms, and there are different types of Psalms. We know that. But listen to how the Psalms end. 150, it's just six verses. It will not take long. Praise the Lord. That's how it begins. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tremble and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, Alex, uh, there's quite a few of those instruments there. Uh, but let me make one more comment, and I'll throw it back to you. They can be used for great, glorious worship, or they can be used for evil. Let me give you two examples. When David was going to bring up the Ark of the Covenant, it had been at Abinadab's house, and then it was the death of Uzzah. We won't go all to that, and they had to keep it at Obed-Edom's house. Three months later, David goes and gets the ark after he read the scriptures and prayed and found out how to transfer that, that ark. And he went down there with all kinds of singers and instruments and, and, and playing, and it was for, the God, for God's glory. But then you remember Daniel when it says he got his music, music instrument, said, when you hear this music, you're to bow down to the king, to his image, you know? Mm-hmm. So it tells you a little bit about the power of music for good or for evil. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, praising God has always been a part of uh, the life of the people of God. But, you know, all through the Bible, there's, you know, I think people know about the instrument of ten strings. That's one of the more famous ones. The Bible talks about bells and cymbals and tambourines and uh, harps. But you know what? One of the common musical instruments in the Bible, we've been asked to comment on the musical instruments in the Bible, is the shofar, yes. which is like a ram's horn. And there was, uh, in Joshua 6, the, the blowing of the shofar to rally the, the armies together. But one last thing, let me say, you know, when Isaiah uh, 23 talks about this instrument of ten strings and uh, other places that that reference that, yeah, I I used to think of it as, well, maybe it's a guitar. Most guitars are six strings or twelve strings. This ten-stringed instrument was kind of like a harp, and strings went over uh, the top, and there was like five on either side. It's a fascinating-looking instrument that you could sort of cradle in your arm and then play it with the other hand. But at any rate, um, you know, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I like that because (laughs) um, whether it's uh, percussion and cymbals and blocks of wood making noise or whether it's strings and harps actually making a melody line or it's the human voice singing God's praises, God's people are a musical people, and much in the Word of God seems to reference that. Amen. Let me give you one experience that I had. I am not musical. I cannot produce it, but I sure can and do enjoy it. But I grew up piano and organ, and that was about all there was. But in a church where I was pastoring, uh, you know, we decided, you know, it was time, uh, praising with all the musical instruments. 
We had people who had been in high school bands, played many instruments. They had been in college bands, played many instruments, trumpets, trombones, and you know, we had some that played in orchestras and, you know, in the symphony orchestra, violins, and we organized a church orchestra. And I want to just tell you, Alex, one of the most fulfilling things that I remember was seeing these people who had sat in the pew and they were singing unto the Lord. That's great. But now they were not just singing in the Lord. They were bringing their talent that they had spent years developing and using it for the praise of the Lord. And they would be up there with their violin, their trombone, the trumpet, the clarinet. And my personal favorite far as far as wind is I love the saxophone. It just it, I love that that instrument. And so those that were playing the guitars, we had those that could play the drums. Uh, Alex, uh, it really brought to life uh, not only the music but the people that God was using. And it reminded me of when David brought up the ark. He used all those people, to, and it was the biggest marching band probably the world's ever known when you read mm. how many were in that uh, group. And they were Had singers, and they were celebrating what God has done. So, I, man, I appreciate the guy that asked. I know we expanded on it quite a bit, but I couldn't resist it. That was a great question. Well, a- amen, amen. Well, uh, you want to go to another question? Yeah, go right ahead. Well, I get this question a lot. Now, let me let me carefully set this up, and it might take a while. A parent uh, wrote in and said that they um, their son goes to school with some people that identify as gay. And you know what? Even high schoolers, middle schoolers, I mean, we're a culture so immersed in deviant things these days. I mean, kids... Of, of many ages are exposed to things like this. And the parent asked the question, uh, we're supposed to love our neighbor and I don't want to teach my kids to ostracize or hate anybody. How can I have my child uh, show Christian love and care but not be an ally? That was the word they used, an ally for some of their peers that are expressing deviant ideas about sexuality. How can I be a friend, be a Christian witness, but not be an ally for the behavior they're exhibiting? Alex, when I hear that question, let's not just put uh, the homosexual and people in that. What about the people that use God's name in vain? What about those people that uh, tell jokes that are just, they're filthy, they're horrible, Mm. They use God's name in vain completely. Uh, those that would have pornography on their phone, what would you do? Uh, again, I I don't want to separate that sin from all sin. Although it's prevalent now and it is sin that has been justified and they're saying it's okay to do, uh, it's still, I, I think the pattern has not changed. Now, okay, and I'll get to what to do, but you may want to insert your thoughts here. Well, yeah, um, because look, sin is sin, and we're all we're all sinners. Part of the reason that I think homosexuality and transgenderism has become so prominent nowadays is because it's just been in the news endlessly. And what's so sad is, and frankly, more than sad, it's troubling, is that uh, so many in pop culture, entertainment, 
education, politics, want to mainstream and make what is very destructive, certainly counter to God's word, and frankly just culturally deviant. They want to make it normal. And Bert, it really puts our kids at risk because more and more, more parents have told me, told me stories about how kids go to school and they're young and naive and they don't know the facts of life and they're exposed to things that they really just aren't uh, prepared to gra- grasp and understand. And so before I comment on this thing about friendship without being an ally, uh I'll just say this, Bert, we're a culture that has absolutely lost our innocence. And there, there's very, very little pure and innocent left anymore, isn't there? That is so true. And uh, I, I just am overwhelmed with justification. This is the whole idea, justification for sin. And it's been a while, around for a while, but there's always been those that were so... Uh, 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 I would say foreign and wayward, further away from that which is natural, further away from that which is, uh, you know, ordained. And now that's come into the mainstream, as you said. But you remember that scripture, and I'm trying to work on it, says pass uh, by, it. you know, you, you pass on by, it. Uh, you don't participate in it. Sometimes you have to walk away. Do you remember what Joseph did? Uh, he left. He left. He said, I'll not participate in this. And we'll get mm. to the more details on that, how it can happen. And uh, But there's victory in that, and you can have the victory. But we're living in a day when we have to teach our children so much more than we used to have to. But mm-hmm. I think the Word of God has something to say. We'll be back with more of the questions in just a moment. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I know the answer to every question, the one solution to every fear. I know my help and where it comes from. Jesus, He is the answer. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. We're answering questions. And by the way, if you would like to send a question in, because this is a pre-recorded show, we're traveling right now, so we can't take live calls. But uh, your question could become the basis for a future program. And we really do love to hear from each and every one of you. And you you may email us, word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net. And before the break, Bert, I was uh, you and I were beginning to respond to a parent who had said, you know, my child is around kids at school and some of whom have, you know, gender issues. And I mean, even in, you know, shockingly young ages, they're talking about things like homosexuality, things that you know we, we really knew nothing about. I, I didn't really know what, what in the world that might be till I was like in college and uh, but anyway, we're a culture that's very explicit. So the parent was asking, how do we teach, you know, invest in people, be a witness, love your neighbor, but not be an ally for that kind of behavior? And I want to talk about that and continue, if we could, in that way. Uh, Jude 1 verse 23 says, some save 
snatching them out of the fire, and some have mercy on with fear, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now, Bert, this is a little bit of a, I think it's an area of spiritual maturity where we realize that we, we reach out into the lives of people, but we don't condone things they do. And I know this is a cliche. This is some lost people really groan at this statement. Um, Hate the sin, love the sinner. But that's really true. And I think one of the things we have to do with our children is help them. You know, we don't hate anybody and we don't fear anybody, but we do try to understand people. You know, we don't fear sin, not afraid of it. People say, well, you're homophobic. No, no. You're Islamophobic. No, I'm not afraid of anybody, not afraid of anything. Fear God, not anything. And we don't hate anybody. We love people. But, Bert, it's it's kind of a lifetime pursuit, but you've got to learn how to be in the lives of people. You care. You share. But we don't necessarily agree with everything being done in the lives of people. Well said. Let me share the scripture that I uh, inferred to in the previous uh, segment. It's Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Listen to this. And this is scripture I think you need to teach your children concerning any sin, any participation in it. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Uh, there, there's times when you just uh, have to pass on, and you don't do it in hatred. You don't do it in in fear. You just say, "This is this is not what I'm about." I remember as a teenage boy, I was saved when I was twelve. God really did get a hold of my life early, Alex. He did. He changed my life. And as a teenage guy, I was playing basketball, and I had my friends and. Uh, we would go to the games, and one particular night, I, I was in a car with some friends, and we were just going to a game, but I found out they had alcohol. Well, I lived in a, a county that was dry. It was illegal mm. for anybody to have it, much less teenagers, and I oh, couldn't get out at that time. I, there was no way to get out, and uh, they tried to, you know, Bert, you want some? I did not want it. Now, again, I love the Lord. But I also had a, a fear of alcohol in our family because I knew of too many cousins and uncles and so forth that was, you know, they had let alcohol take over their life. And I mm. knew that. And I said, am I susceptible to it? Is it a family trait that if you give in, you'll, you, you, you misuse it and abuse it? And so I was caught into it. Now, I didn't hate those guys. I did not, but I did not participate. And I was willing to say, hey, no, not me. And uh, they said, oh, are you, you afraid? And I'd say, no, I've got more sense than to use it myself. I don't need it. And uh, so there's ways that you can do it straightforward in love, not bigotry, not hatred. And you do the same way with those and say, no, that's, uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. No. And it doesn't make me better than you, but it does say that I'm avoiding that and I'm not going to participate, nor in, I'm not going to, to promote you and, and encourage you in something that the Bible says is not right. And uh, so, Alex, I, I think you teach your children to be strong, but this passage in Proverbs chapter 
uh, 4, verses 14 and 15, I would suggest people learn it, practice it, and pass it on to the next generation. Uh, well said, well said. And let me say one more thing, because very often, and this is, I want to be real clear about this, very often people will um, forsake what God's Word clearly says when they get a friendship or it's a personal relationship with somebody caught up in a sin. And by this, here's what I'm saying. I've had many people say, well, I know the Bible says such and such is a sin. Uh, and I've, I've always heard that. But you know what? I've got a cousin, and they're a good person. And yet I just find it hard to believe that God would, would hate Joe over here, who's a good person, or Bill. Here's my point. I think we have to help our kids understand that we trust what the Lord says because God loves us. God made us. God gave his life. Jesus died on the cross for us to be saved. So here's the thing. Don't ever let a personal uh, friendship cause you to put the dynamics of that relationship over the word of God. Um, And I've had a lot of people say, I know God's word said this, but we decided to live together anyway. Because here's my point. Look, to put more stock in a circumstance or a human person over the Word of God is really idolatry. You know? Um, A mother said to me one time, we were counseling, said, you know, I know the Bible says homosexuality is a sin, but I've got this nephew, and he's a good boy, and I just, I cannot believe that a, a fine young man like my nephew is sinning. Be careful to put more stock in a person or circumstance to the exclusion of God's word. That's idolatry. Yeah. Well said, Alex. And again, uh, let's pray for them and uh, know, know the difference in a relationship that you have with someone that uh, you 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 uh, are sharing some of your life with. And that person that becomes a pal that you hang with and and become just a part of your life with, Alex, uh, there's a big difference in those. You know, uh, in high school and in college, I had those that were friends, but I had those that I could hang out with and know that I was in good company. And uh, I praise God. I pray that you would find a, a, a friend that your friend, your child rather, would find a friend that has those qualities that uh, w- they could feed off of each other, that they would encourage one another. I had that in high school. I had it in college. It was a great benefit. And listen, that is helpful. And you can do that without being demeaning, without being haughty. God hates pride. And so if we build up ourselves with pride and say, Man, that's not me or I'm better than them, uh, all of a sudden, you brought yourself pretty low in the issue of mm. pride. So, uh, yes, Alex, I know you said it, and there are folks that don't like it, love the sinner, hate the sin. Uh, they say, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, you can too. And uh, mm. I pray that we would learn to do that. Amen, amen. Well, do you have a question next? I do. This is, this is just a recommendation, and uh, we get this quite often. And uh, it's really, uh, you know, helps people that want to get into the Word on their own. And Alex and I love to do Exploring the Word. 
But something that I, just encourages me is people who are, we've equipped to get into the Word for themselves. And I, I try to do that. I, I tell folks, look for those uh, repeating phrases. Look for those words. Look for those conjunctions. Look for the the promises, the principles. Alex, you're always doing the word studies. You're you're a master at that, the word studies in, in Greek and Hebrew and what it says. And there's helps out there that help people. And that really encourages us to know people. They're doing that on their own. And so the recommendation is like Bible study helps. Uh, if you were, you yourself, if you was going to recommendation to someone that's going to begin starting a small group or Sunday school, what what books, what maybe translation, uh, what study Bible, what commentary, what concordance, what, what would you suggest? Well, uh, I'd love to know what the topic is. I mean, you know, sometimes there's book studies that are, you know, biblical studies. And then there's other times maybe you're going to do a topical study. And so I, I think the topic you're going after has everything to do with what your curriculum is going to be. But um, in terms of just like studying through a book of the Bible, um, I think if you're new to leading a Bible study and maybe trying to get something started in your town, it's good to start with something maybe somewhat brief, if you want to do something that clearly presents Jesus, plus really would open up the door to dealing with some of the current issues that people go through, I think the book of Colossians would be a good one to study. Amen. And and buddy, uh, books that help you know Colossians, there's uh, books that have that. Uh, I, I just share this. Uh, there's different people and different authors that have written different books, and some of them are studies in a book. Some of them are studies on subject. And, and I just want to give you a reference, two or three or four authors, that if you buy any of their books, I believe you'll be blessed. Uh, Chuck Colson, just let me share. He doesn't do a Bible study on Colossians, but he writes books, and it is filled with a biblical worldview on politics, uh, on, on on life, uh, on church. Uh, one of the books that I have is Chuck Colson's book, The Body. Alex, I don't mm-hmm. know if you got that one or not, but I there's, remember that. it is an awesome book. Anything you can buy by Chuck Swindoll. Now, he's not writing as much as he once did, but these are guys that, man, you get his books and you will be blessed beyond measure. It, it's just beyond. And there's... a. Uh, I introduced this to Ed Vitagliano, uh, a work associate. He's on today's issues on Thursdays. You're usually on there with him or on that program, Alex. But yes. he, uh, he, I introduced him to Alan Redpath. Uh, Alan Redpath oh, was a pastor. Now, these are older books. He's gone to be of the Lord. But if you find any book by Alan Redpath, buy it. I'm, I'm just telling you. Uh, if it's on Nehemiah, First uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians, he's done several, and and so there's people like that that will just bless you. But uh, the book of Colossians, talking about starting there, we did that, and uh, you know, I, every time we do one of these books, at the time we're doing it, I said, man, I like this one, and then we'll go to Galatians. Man, I like this. Aren't they all good? Aren't we proud? Oh, they are. We have an unsearchable uh, wealth in the Word of God, don't we? We, we really do. And let me encourage people. Hey, by the way, I saw something really interesting. I was in a neighborhood 
um, in South Carolina were working on a conference down there, and I was driving through a neighborhood, and somebody had a, a sign in their yard. Uh, you know how you can go, and maybe if you're going to have a, a yard sale or something, you can get a sign made up, and it sits on a little wire stand. Right. Yeah. And f- for the summertime, this person had put a sign in their yard that said, Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock, porch Bible study. In other words, Bible study on the front porch. Just was this in Mayberry, North Carolina, on the front porch? Uh, it, it? No, but it ought to. <laughs> uh, you but know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I was talking to several people who um, I was sharing the gospel. Um, one man, especially who was a chemist, and he was not a Christian by far, but he he said, "Well, I've been going to the porch Bible study. They've been having that." Bible study on the front porch. And he said, you know, it really is interesting. And he wasn't a believer yet. But I thought, now that is so innovative. And I, I talked to the person and they said, well, you know what? It's uh, most evenings out are pretty nice for most of the year. And we've got a big old covered front porch and let's have a front porch Bible study on Tuesday night. And dozens of people are coming. That's wonderful. People nowadays, look, they're hungry. I, I I give God the glory. Bert, I just led two people to Christ and two almost total strangers led them to Christ. They listened for 20 minutes as we talked about the gospel. Look, people are hungry. They want to know um, where what's going on in the world and does God have an answer for the instability in the world right now? People want to know what about COVID and can prayer help people be healed and what happens after death? Listen, Bert, people are dying, um, people that are young and otherwise healthy, and people are wanting to know, am I prepared in case I were to die? Yeah. So so I want to encourage you, folks, wherever you are, it do, you don't need money. You just need to get the Word of God and spread the Word, but you could do a book study um, my friend Ken Ham with Answers in Genesis, they have a myriad of resources about, you know, creation, the book of Genesis, Jesus. The uh, They do a thing called the seven C's, the oh, letter wow. C. If you get creation. that down, Alex, it helps you for the whole Bible. It really doesn't it? It really does. And then, of course, if, if I do say so, my book on the 10 most common objections to Christianity uh, there's a 12-week small group leader's guide, and it's the intro to defending the faith. So I think small group Bible studies, uh, that's a ministry whose time has come. It has, and sounds like the New Testament church when it started. Hey, yeah. Bert and Alex will be back with more of the questions that you sent in at wordadayafar.net, and we'll be back right after the break. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Let me go down, down, down in history As another blood-bought, faithful member of the family And if they all forget my name, well, that's fine with me I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, listen to this verse Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, That word keep has the idea, and it says in some translation, guard your heart with all diligence. Be careful what you let in. 
And we were answering that question earlier about our associates and who we uh, come in contact with and who we hang out with. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. This is mm-hmm. Bird and Alex, and it's Fire Away Friday, but we're not taking calls. We are taking calls or, or questions that come in at wordedafr.net. And if you have those questions, you can send them there. And uh, so we'd love to do that. That means Alex and I are out today, one of us at least, possibly both of us, traveling or speaking or uh, sometimes our family uh, time. We, we take time off to be have more time with our family, and we don't apologize for that. Matter of fact, I really enjoy those times. Alex, when you have five grandchildren and you have an opportunity to spend a few days with them, uh, it is worth pouring into them uh, life in the Word of God. So it's it's Amen. a great time. And we're hoping exploring the Word helps you to do that because we have a lot of people that call in and ask. They say, what can I help with my child? How can I help answer this question for my grandchild? Uh, you got to spend time with them in order to be able to have them to answer those, ask you those questions, don't you? You really do. You really do. And uh, so I applaud you. You are a good and godly grandfather. And I know Jan is a godly grandmother, although neither of you looks old enough to be a grandparent. <laughs> well, but. half of that statement is true. I agree with my wife, but uh, hey, my white hair on top, that that tells the tale. Hey, but we're That's answering wisdom. questions, and we want to answer these questions. Alex, you got another one ready? Well, here's somebody says, this is very interesting, and this is uh, referring to Matthew chapter 2. Um, what does it mean that it says, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy, out of Egypt I have called my son? Out of Egypt I have called my son. Please explain this statement. Well, to know, to understand this, you got to know a little bit about the Old Testament, don't you, Bert? Yes, you do. And, now, and when you say that, you, you find that true in the Old Testament, and then you find some of that in the New Testament. Some, isn't it? Alex, that's what I love, and and we try to do that on Exploring the Word, how those tie in so easily. Now, some of them are harder than others, but some of them are just as plain as you can say, man, this is the Old Testament type, and now here's Jesus, here's the church, or whoever it might be. So what about this one? Mm -hmm. Well, in a way, and and this is a, a reference to something from Hosea chapter 11 in the Old Testament, and I want to get there. But for just a moment, let's talk about typology a little bit, um, because in a way, although you may not have ever thought of it this way, the the bondage in Egypt, remember the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt, and God raised up a deliverer, Moses, and they were called out of Egypt, and Pharaoh tried to pursue, but uh, the Israelites got delivered from Egypt. In a way, that is kind of pictorial of salvation and Egypt being death and the grave and deliverance being salvation. And so um, if we could um, use the word type or foreshadowing the Egyptian bondage and the deliverance, the miraculous deliverance, was somewhat pictorial of, of salvation, wasn't it? It was. There was deliverance. The issue is slavery. And then the firstborn male child to die, 
The whole idea was death and slavery. We call it bondage and death. And this is the life that they had come into. They weren't that way when they went there, but a new Pharaoh came in, a new line. And and uh, the, the Hebrews, if you remember, they were multiplying in number, you know? And there was a fear factor for that, for the Egyptians. So fear, again, causing Pharaoh to do some things, and it causes the people there in Egypt to go along with Pharaoh, although he was a dictator, I know that. But it seemed like they were readily able to do that. That's why fear is so dominant. And so God delivers them out of that. And he uses Moses to do so and to bring them into a wilderness. Now, the wilderness wasn't necessarily God's perfect plan. It became a part of the plan. His that was to go through the wilderness into the land of promise. Now, a lot of folks can't think that land of promise was heaven. No, I don't think that's the type. Now, you may disagree, Alex, because when they got to the promised land, guess what they had to do? They had to fight. Uh, in heaven, hey, the battle's already won. In heaven. Yeah, the heaven. Yeah. Uh, so I love the song Beulah Land, but uh, it's a little bit uh, misleading. You know what I mean? Uh, I think it's still a good song, so don't don't take me on with that. Uh, but Alex, yes, it is a picture. Now, what did Jesus but, do? Let me see. After uh, Jesus uh, was taken to Egypt, when? Uh, right well, after the, baby. the killing of the babies in Bethlehem? Well, you know, in the book of Matthew, uh, God warned Joseph to take Mary and Jesus and go down to Egypt to escape King Herod, because Herod, uh, this is Matthew 2, 13 and following, Herod wanted to kill Jesus, so he had all the babies two years and younger killed. And Joseph and Mary left under cover of night and stayed in Egypt until Herod had died, and then they were notified to return. And Matthew 2.15 quotes Hosea 11.1 that says, When Israel was a youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt have I called my son. Now, that's kind of a a verse with a dual meaning because it was, in a way, talking about Israel uh, getting delivered from out of Egypt. But son, S-O-N, that's Jesus, the one and only Son of God, and in fulfillment of prophecy, but also in uh, escaping from the scheme of Satan. I mean, if you look, whether it was the wilderness temptation or it was even before he was born, I mean, Satan was frantically conspiring to get Jesus done away with anything to prevent him from going to the cross and achieving the atonement and rising from the dead. And look, the newborn baby Jesus was at risk, but God, God was not to be outmaneuvered. And the angel was sent, and Joseph obeyed, and they fled to Egypt till Herod was dead, and then they came back and, and dwelt in Nazareth. But th- this was uh, a fulfillment of Hebrews 11, wasn't it? It was. Now, again, when you look uh, at— Hosea 11. Hosea, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, when you look at scriptures in the Old Testament, many times they have a a, a double uh, prophecy concerning something that is immediate and something that is ultimate. And even when you look back on this one, like it had a meaning for the past, but it also has meaning for the future. 
And uh, that I think that's why Jesus, uh, with the two on the road to Emmaus, while they were so enthralled, it says Jesus took them and showed them himself through the scriptures. You know, uh, I, I, this is one of them. Uh, when they got to Hosea, coming out of Egypt, and, and Jesus says, did you hear what happened to me when I was just a young child and I had to go down to Egypt? Yes, they were delivered out of Egypt, the Hebrews, but guess what? I was delivered into Egypt and out of Egypt when the time was. So mm. I, I love that scriptures that's like that, Alex. They have the immediate, but they have the ultimate. Isn't that true with our Christian life? We have the immediate. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We have eternal life right now. But we have a future. You remember, we've been redeemed. We're being sanctified. But one of these days, we're going to be glorified and have a body like unto his. Uh, We've got something to live for and something to look to, don't we? We do. It's kind of like Warren Wiersbe, who talked about the now and the not yet. (laughs) Hey, I I know Tom Fleet's way. Do you have a question? I do. This is a good one. And I think we've had something similar to that. So, But when God wipes away the tears in heaven... Are those tears shed because what we have done or what we're seeing? Uh, What's going on with him wiping the tears? Uh, We hear that song, no tears, no tears up there, but there's going to be tears, but they're going to be wiped away. Alex, uh, do you have a thought on those tears? Uh, Are they from maybe your failure, my failure, your failure of not living up to what we should have done? You know, it it may be because tears in heaven has caused many a person to question, you know, what in the world could that mean? Because uh, it does say that God would wipe away every tear from our eyes. Uh, And this is in Revelation. And we think about, well, heaven is joyful, but tears in heaven. Well, what I'm about to say is speculative. What What I'm about to say is you know, speculative, Revelation seven seventeen. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, does that mean that the moment we enter heaven, it's joy forevermore? Or maybe there's a time in heaven where we, in the spirit of Hebrews 12, 11, and, uh, I'm sorry, 12, 1 and 2, uh, we have seen things on earth, we reflect on, the journey that brought us to this point, maybe there's remorse over things undone. Maybe there's regret over things that were done but shouldn't have been done. Maybe there's remorse over those that we thought would be in heaven and we're up there and we realize they're not. But at any rate, I think there comes a time when there is no more um, remorse over the past, no more sadness, no more tears, and it's just joy forevermore. But, you know, Bert, I I can think of some Christians that um, I I believe they were saved, but they they really made a shipwreck of their testimony. And maybe they have tears in heaven, Mm -hmm. but God in his immeasurable mercy wipes those tears away. And listen, if you're saved, you're going to be in heaven. But I think there's going to be some regret up there. Would you agree? I agree. Now, I want to contrast that with a a story that Jesus shared. You remember the rich man in Lazarus, and in hell, the rich man lift, you know, lifted up his eyes, and he saw Lazarus afar so off, and all of that. 
but he requested that he go back to earth and tell his five brothers about the reality of life in hell, death in hell. He wanted to go back and tell them, and they said, no, you cannot go back. If they won't hear Moses and prophets, they would not hear you. But here's this rich man in hell remembering how I think possibly and probably he had led his five brothers astray. And Mm. now he had preceded them into hell, and he knew unless there was a complete turnaround in their lives, they were headed his way. It did not bring him comfort to think they were going to come and join him. It brought him consternation for him to think that they were coming to where he was. There was no wiping away his tears. There was no wiping away his memories. Alex, heaven is a real place, and it is an awesome place. And listen, you don't want to miss it. You want to come to Christ if you're listening today and you've never, ever asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. He died on the cross. He paid the price. He rose again to give us the victory. Right now, would you trust him? Would you ask him to be forgive you of your sin and ask him to come into your life and say, Lord, I'm yours now and forever? Alex, I could not help but think of that t- contrast of wiping away the tears for whatever reasons it might be and the rich man in hell having no relief from mm. his memories. Well, I know this is a statement you've heard. It's not original with me, but I've heard preachers say that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And, and friend, don't leave this world unprepared. You can call on Jesus. He's as close by as a prayer. He has promised to hear you, even right now, silently but sincerely from your heart to God. You can say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on that cross for me. And listen, if you'll pray this and mean it, God will hear you. You say, Lord... I believe what Jesus did on the cross was the payment for my sin debt. And I'm asking you to save me. I repent. Now, friend, repentance means to turn from sin to Christ. And in a way, Bert, repentance, it's more than this, but it's at least this. It's to agree with God about your condition. It is, Alex. Amen. and, And if you will call on Jesus and just in your own words, but what you're doing, you're trusting that he is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. Jesus is not just some abstract figure. No, I I acknowledge he is God incarnate. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Lord, I'm asking you to save me, and I'm trusting what you did on that cross as the sufficient payment of my sins. Save me now. He will save you. And for this prepared place, this prepared meeting, We'll all face God one day. You will be a prepared person for having put your trust in Christ. Jesus said it. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Be with him. Uh, That's the, yes, heaven is a beautiful, wonderful place. But the greatest thing is Jesus is there and we get to be with him. And we're praying that you've received Christ into your life if you haven't. I pray you'd call this number, 888-NEED-HIM, 
888 need him We have our ministering partners there, and they will pray with you. They will share with you, and they will help you. We pray you'll come to Christ. Alex, it's been good to be with you answering these questions, and we give God the glory, and we want to make much of Jesus. I pray we have. Don't you, brother? Well, I pray so, and we, we've wanted to, because there is no other name under heaven given, given among men whereby we must be saved. Folks, we thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. You know, go to AFR.net, listen to the show again, tell somebody about this, but most of all, tell everybody, everybody about Jesus. Jesus.